0: in deep I like it put it in deep hello everybody this is Bob Cole in the broadcast booth
1: look at the bill for Edmonton, they're going to try here, rushing to center and down the lane.
0: Oh baby. Everything is happening.
1: Oh baby, for sure. Episode twenty eight, Pucks and Deep Podcast. Josh Coleman, Adam Lesko back at it here on a Wednesday. And Lesko, uh, that was uh that was about as good as it gets right there for the legendary Bob Cole, who will be signing off for the final time in the Foster Hewitt Broad or no, is it in Toronto or Montreal? I forget that the Saturday game, is that I think it's in Toronto. Okay, let's assume it's in Toronto then. We'll have to check that out. But yeah, he'll be signing off in the uh, broadcast booth for the final time on Saturday. And like you put in the prep, man, it's basically a farewell to an
0: absolute legend in the broadcasting world. And what a way to go out to Toronto-Montreal, you know, the historic rivalry, historic matchups. Like, I wonder how many Toronto-Montreal games he's actually called over the, what, 50... Sixty years the guy's been active. I'm me. sure they'll
1: have that info on Saturday. I, there's going to be a ton of info. It's going to be Bob Cole night.
0: Yeah, basically. Yeah, and so it should be. And uh, I mean, it could be a big night for the Montreal Canadiens as well um, as we come down to the wire in the playoff races. But uh, yeah, some of those clips, um, especially the Steve Thomas one, I can remember watching that game. However old we were—twelve years old or fourteen years old, whatever at the time—and. I was pretty sure I was in Toronto. Actually, I was at my grandmother's. Really, must have been around Easter or something. We yeah, yeah. were up for a visit, but that's I can remember the call and that happening, and you know, losing my mind um, whenever Steve Thomas did score that goal.
1: It's uh, that's my favorite Leaf um, highlight pack or whatever you want to call it. Again, because I'm in, the, like, because I'm on that side of the fence. I do the broadcasting for the Lumber Kings here in town. Because I'm on that side of the fence, I pay a lot more attention to that than the average fan, but I think you can't help but notice it when it was Bob in his heyday. And that particular game, uh, game five of the 2000 playoffs, quarterfinals, I think, against the Senators, yep. Yep. and it was an absolutely insane hockey game from the moment that the Leafs tied it up, I believe in the third to uh, to go to overtime, it wasn't like a super late goal or anything. It was just a big goal, tying goal, went to overtime, and then there were oh my god, there had to have been seven or eight unbelievable scoring chances. You know, between both teams, they each had two or three, four opportunities to win the game. Nobody could. Wendell Clark made it made a, made an appearance. Yeah, which I think would last, shock yeah, his I, last
0: run there for the Leafs, which I
1: think would shock a lot of people. But he makes an appearance and I can't believe he didn't get a hooking penalty that it's it's in the highlight pack. You got the listeners got to go watch the whole thing. Uh, it, all you got to do is Google or YouTube uh, Stumpy Thomas, which is uh, Steve Thomas's nickname. Stumpy Thomas will give you that highlight pack and crank up the volume because unfortunately it's a little quiet. Uh, I find i I probably watched that highlight pack. I told you Lesko maybe maybe once or twice every couple months because it just brings me to a fantastic place. I know the Leafs ultimately win and that is what makes me feel so great about it. but it was just such a phenomenal highlight pack and I think that that honest that honest to God that that portion of his career was the best that he's that he's ever been. Now, of course, there's many decades before that where he started I don't even know when he started.
0: I believe he got to start in the 70s. I actually took a deep dive down his Wikipedia page. He was born in 1933, which wow. is also very interesting. <laughs> I can show you how old the guy was. But uh, one thing that really stands out for me in terms of Bob Cole is that it didn't even matter what game he was calling. Look at those clips were from Pittsburgh. Well, they're from the cup finals and playoffs, but the guy was always excited. He had like an immense passion, and uh, it was reflected in the heat of the moment of the game when he made these calls. Um it's kind of an often imitated, never duplicated type situation because you have a lot of these commentators who, you know, with the over-the-top, the the screaming, the crazy calls, the the sayings and things like that, the one-liners, it was never, it never felt manufactured. It always came off as genuine, I found, with Bob Cole and that he just really loved the game and, and the game happening in front of him. He was reacting almost like, somewhat like a fan, uh, in those situations, because you could hear the excitement, the sheer excitement in his voice. And a lot of those calls that we played, you know, those were big, huge goals. The one, of the Olympic call, for example. And, uh, yeah. And the, and that a lot of them are in big time playoff overtime winners. And you can just hear the excitement in his voice. And I absolutely love it.
1: Yeah. It's true. Uh, you know, you talked about, uh, things happening. Well, how about everything is happening, uh, with Bob Cole? And, you know, I think one of the, the coolest things I ever found and I just found it maybe 20 minutes ago let's go as I was teeing up the intro I found this Bob Cole soundboard so all I did was I googled Bob Cole something Bob Cole calls or whatever soundbites yeah Yeah, soundbites that's what it was and uh, so if you google Bob Cole soundboard you get this uh, it's literally just a one page one page website with a bunch of uh, sayings on it and they're actually clipped from the highlight pack it's just the audio, um, and it's clipped right from the actual highlight pack. So I think that's pretty cool. So I'm just gonna like click on one of them just to show you. Like, uh, oh, oh, I'll have the, I have the volume down. Hold on, um, it's pretty cool. You just click on it and it'll and it'll just go ahead and play it for you.
0: And no nonsense here. They're going at it.
1: <laughs> like that's right out of the game. You know, oh, that's awesome. <laughs> yeah, like that's so awesome. I mean, I don't know how how much use
0: I'm going to get out of this, but I think we could find some pretty cool, some adequate use on the uh, podcast. For yeah, sure it's true. That you
1: might you might be hearing some of that,
0: just to... throwing down Bob Cole whenever the situation calls for it.
1: <laughs> like it's just been. Uh, they have time to
0: get it. <laughs> Whoever set that up is a beauty. Yes,
1: absolutely. I'd like to throw some uh, GoFundMe dollars at that website, but
0: it's probably been up for a long time too. Because I, I thought I came across it before. Somebody mentioned to me, or I oh, saw yeah? something about it being out there, but. Pretty cool, uh, pretty cool find there for us.
1: I also ended up paying a dollar thirty nine for a Bob Cole soundboard app on uh, the iTunes App Store, and it's
0: awful. It's not as good because it's all pre-recorded, right?
1: Exactly. Yeah, that's what I was telling you before. You you can tell that Bob just came into the studio one day, and they had seventeen things for him to say, and he said them, and then they put that line over top of some fan noise in the background so unfortunately you don't get his like actual emotional call yeah it's just him being like oh baby for sure
0: (laughs) you know when it should be
1: oh baby for
0: sure well there's a lesson to the listeners don't spend a buck 39 on the soundboard yeah do it for free that's (laughs) that's my
1: gift to you guys so i'm the one i took the guinea pig uh i took the uh took the price tag and and you guys can have it now for free. So, anyway, uh, yeah, Saturday night, Bob Cole, final game. Congratulations to Bob. Uh, for anyone that knows me, knows that uh, you know I'm 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 kind of in, indifferent now with Bob because I feel, and I've said this before on the pod, I feel that he lived long enough to see himself become the villain, uh, as that saying goes. Um, I think over the last maybe five or so years, perhaps even longer. Time flies now that I'm old. Um, but I found that over the last recent stretch, it's been it can be a little difficult for myself to watch Bob. And again, I come back to it how I pay attention to that broadcasting aspect a little bit more than most people. Yeah. Where most people would be like, "No, you're wrong, Coley. Like I love Bob; he's such a legend." But you just you just you like his voice, like mm-hmm. you like his voice. But then he doesn't even know what's what what's really happening right.
0: on the ice. It's
1: kind of tough for me.
0: So yeah, I, and I know where you're coming from on that. But again, I just try and. You know, enjoy it. Enjoy the voice, right? And the the same voice you heard calling games your whole entire life growing up. Yeah, it's up, true. And it, it games got faster, now. and he's gotten slower. Right, yeah. it comes <laughs> with being eighty, whatever, eighty I, some years old. I
1: think he's into his nineties. Is he not? No,
0: he could be ninety. I don't really. know. Well,
1: well, when did you say he was born?
0: Ah, uh, he's nineteen thirty-three. So well, do some quick math. Quick on that. math.
1: Okay, eighty-six. He's okay, eighty-six, 86 yeah.
0: which is still phenomenal in yeah, its own right. right. The fact that he's called this long. And yeah, I think he was taken off the regular broadcast in two thousand eight. I want to say.
1: Yeah, it was. The sad time it yeah. was it was yeah, but I, it was still the right decision then and I think it's the right decision now I think Bob yeah. would continue to do the games as long as he was allowed in the building I know he'll yeah. be allowed in the building but I don't think he's gonna be allowed up in the in the booth anymore and I don't, I don't think know, yeah. I don't think that Jim Hughes can fill those shoes either
0: yeah I'm sure they'll let him in the press box or something like yeah that. of course get those good seats right yeah of course <laughs> So what do we got going on here? We got a quick discussion on the uh, playoff races. The Eastern Conference is still unsettled at the moment. Uh, we've got Carolina, Columbus, and Montreal still hashing it out for those last spots. Um, all three of which is, have uh, picked up their play a little bit of recent, and they so they should. Carolina uh, was all over the Leafs last night, and the Leafs had a bit of a nothing game on their hands. Uh, Montreal has been uh, picking it up as well. And, uh, even, even Columbus is, uh, you know, finally starting to see some dividends out of their trades, not maybe as much as they want to see out of Matt Duchesne, but that one's going to come right down the wire.
1: Oh, I think so. I mean, it's, it's been really exciting to watch these teams that are close to making it, um, try and make it, try and have control of their own destiny. I mean, you look at the Carolina Hurricanes, it wasn't that long ago that, they were really on the bubble. Now, in their last five games, they only have two wins in their last five. Mm-hmm. Uh, those last five being a loss to Washington, a loss to Washington again, then a victory against the Flyers, then a loss to the Penguins, and then a victory over the Maple Leafs. Mm-hmm. Pretty big victory there. So, I mean, they're they're sitting pretty pretty tight though at ninety five points. That's one point ahead of Columbus and Montreal. You're right, Lesko. It's going to come right down to the end all and be all, and and it could come right down to that Toronto versus Montreal game, and you might have the likes of Carolina and Columbus just rooting on the Leafs there Mm -hmm. uh, in that final game, and you know what? Montreal's schedule, not an easy one, Lesko, as they have to uh, face off next against the Washington Capitals, whereas the Hurricanes play New Jersey, and Columbus plays New York Rangers. Oh, yeah. So there's some points there for the two current wildcard positions, and Montreal, if they're going to make it in, They have to earn it.
0: Yeah, absolutely. And I had this conversation with a fellow leafer the other day, um, whereas he says, well, it'd be nice to see Montreal make it. But I threw this back at him. I said, what if it comes down to the Leafs and Montreal Saturday, though? I mean, wouldn't you love to say goodbye, like be able to send them off for the season as a Leaf fan? I would think so.
1: I I think the the only reason why I... Would vote for that Lesko is because I want to see the likes of the Carolina Hurricanes make uh make the Stanley Cup playoffs. Well, to be
0: their first appearance in ten, 10 years. years, and I mean, yeah. I I I thought they were good good enough last year, but they didn't have the goaltending. I mean, they're they play fast. Um, they're a very skilled hockey team. So it would be a big uh big step in their development. They got great defense and they finally have gotten good enough goaltending this year to get them in there with McElhaney and Morazic. So uh what a difference goaltending can make because it wasn't a you know, it wasn't lack of trying last year. It was just a big hole in their net, right?
1: Yeah, absolutely. And I mean price has been phenomenal this year. Uh the goaltending situation in Columbus has been steady ish, you know, in recent play. Carolina, of course, uh Marazic has been fantastic coming down the stretch here. uh what did they have McElhaney making saves for them earlier this season as well mm-hmm. uh some pretty a pretty solid tandem there between the two. I said earlier uh in the season, not that long ago, just just after the trade deadline that there was something strange about me and i wanted I wanted Columbus to miss for no reason other than I thought it would be a huge story. I think it would solidify the whole quote unquote Matt Duchene is a cancer. Uh, narrative. Yeah. You know, Um, but now I guess if you, if you asked me the Leaf fan to choose between the Canadians and the blue jackets, I guess I'm going for the blue jackets there. But at the end of the day, I've said this to so many people, I'm a Leaf fan. And then I don't care after that. Mm -hmm. I have a small, I have a small allegiance to, uh, the Penguins mm-hmm. because Mario was just my guy. Like yeah. I wrote a speech about Mario in grade six or seven and <laughs> ended yeah. up like winning. I remember you
0: had the big Mario yeah. posters on your wall yeah. and all that. Yeah, like winning yeah. A,
1: winning a winning an award for public speaking on my Mario <laughs> Lemieux speech and like got all his jerseys and stuff. And, you know, and then he he went away. He had the uh, Hodgkin's disease uh, and then he came back and scored against the Leafs and I cried like was a little kid. Like it was just so awesome and then you know then then crosby came in and crosby is an 87 birth year and that's my birth year so this guy was was my age he's basically me
0: if i look at it from a no no but listen let me finish <laughs> i know just the just that isolated soundbite yeah, crosby he's basically me he's basically me <laughs> i'm
1: saying he's basically me if i were able to be a superstar athlete that was he's my age yeah. Um, you know, just a, a good you guy. identify with yeah, it, sort a, a of a good you know. guy to follow. Um, and, and you know his career in Pittsburgh, and then he he lived with Mario, and so that became a little bit more of a stronger bond, even for myself as an outside fan. I never really cheered for you know Pittsburgh over Toronto, but for those times, like for that time, go when he joined the league, that was right when the Leafs started to be terrible. Yeah, literally. Yeah. So for a decade. I was able to be like, well, my team is out of yeah, the playoffs. I got somebody else.
0: I jumped on in Colorado bandwagon during okay, that, nice. that period of time, nice. actually, which was a great time to do it because they were incredible. Yeah, then. yeah. Um, overall, though, playoff format—I know we've haven't really gotten too much into this yet—but what is your overall take? Like, give me give me one thing, one thing about it that you don't like? Because I know that's that's it seems to be more people complaining about it than being like, yeah, this is awesome, you know. Well, the
1: the one thing I read your prep earlier, and I feel badly stealing your, your thunder on this one. But really, the only issue that I have with it, and it is the only issue that there is, uh, is that it does not reward play for the season. That's mm-hmm. it. At the end of the day, I don't care if it's the Atlantic or the Metro or the fucking Pacific. I don't care what division it is mm-hmm. that is standing out. You're penalizing teams for being good. Yeah.
0: And you can say this if you're a Boston or you're a Leaf fan. I mean, Boston's second best team in the conference and one of the best teams in the league and who do they get to play? Well, the team right behind them, third place team. Same goes for the Leafs. They got to play, you know, a team one step above them whereas before you were matched up with the at least the weaker opponent in the standings. Yeah, um, I, I wanted to mention too, and uh, this one's gotten some some talk there. I know Elliot Friedman's mentioned it on his podcast and his articles, and uh, recently Keith Yandel was talking about it as well in an interview about the idea of choosing your opponent, which I, I find that really fascinating. It would, and it would make for a great TV. Have a draft. Yeah, and yeah. and it's just like it's a, it's almost like why not? Like, what are the what are the downsides to such a such a an arrangement, I guess. Well,
1: I mean, technically speaking, from a from a business perspective, you would have finances involved with extra travel. Yeah, yeah. So when you when you think of it that way, I know you're like, "Oh, he's fuck Coleman, you're really digging here." Well, <laughs> listen, I mean, they would find ways to make sure that this wasn't the way it was because this mm-hmm. isn't th- that's something you do when you're uh, playing saucer king or ring toss with yeah. your buddies at the camp you know you, you do a little draft that way yeah, you yeah. don't do this in professional sports right um it would be strange to see it would i think it would be very entertaining but i do think you'd have a lot of roadblocks in the way mm-hmm. namely being the logistics behind well okay we're going to play carolina cuz they're right there
0: yeah you could fa- and uh, you figure teams would f- factor that into their decisions and i think um, I know the other idea that was floated as just straight one versus 16, two versus uh, 15, doing that, that one, I across, like cross cross conference. Yeah. But then you run into the major issue of travel.
1: But you see, if it was, if it was mandated and that was the way it was, I think that kind of alleviates the pressure off of the financial problem. Whereas when you say, Hey, we're going to let you choose. Mm -hmm. Well, now you're choosing things and forcing other teams to travel. And it's been seven years in a row that that team has had to travel, like, you know, all that bullshit. But if you did one sixteen, it's just all about how you finish. Mm -hmm. And if you happen to finish in the middle seven versus eight or whatever, or whatever it would be, that's what it would. Yeah. Seven Mm -hmm. and eight would play. And, uh, if it happened to be Vancouver versus, uh, Florida, then so be it. They have to they have to travel. Like too too bad, you know? Meanwhile, one is San Jose and sixteen is Vegas that year. So now they just get to drive up and down the road to play each other. Mm-hmm. I don't know. There's a lot of a lot of bullshit to be involved, but I'm just happy to see that it looks like at least, if I'm foreshadowing, that the one to eight may be making a return coinciding with the season that Seattle comes in, which mm-hmm. is twenty twenty. 2021 and
0: i think the main justification is is going back to rewarding teams that are successful with the best possible matchup best on uh based on the standings so um i i gotta think that if you're a team you want the best chance to win and that's going to give you the best chance to win and it's one of those things and the nhl does this a lot but You know, if it's not broken, don't fix it. Right. It was something that they changed that I don't know who asked for that. Right. It was, uh, you know, it's an experiment at this point in my mind.
1: Yeah, I think so. And, you know, like you, you made a good point. You said there's really there's really only the one the one division the atlantic mm-hmm. division's really the only division that has a much of a stink about it and
0: that and that's the one that seems to be skewing the the arrangements because you have the top 3 teams in the conference the last 2 years or two or so years has been basically dominated by the atlantic division so right. it's really throwing off and just could easily be the metro of washington and pittsburgh and columbus say were top three in the conference so we'll just
1: leave the islanders right off that list won't we
0: oh yeah of course the new york <laughs> islanders who could forget about those, those guys greasy right? fucks those greasy fucks exactly <laughs> so i wanted to throw this uh, little tidbit in here um that i came across um i found bob nicholson is 15 goals that would have that could have got them in the playoffs okay remember how yeah, he said that it was toby reader's fault that if he would have scored 15 goals they would have gotten the playoffs right okay so ryan strome has 15 goals for the Rangers since being acquired on November 16th for Ryan Spooner from the Oilers. Okay, so there's their 15 there's goals. 15. They traded them to the Rangers, they tra- and there was another trade. Involved. Right, so the subsequent trade there, um, Ryan Spooner had two goals, one assist, and 25 games played before the demotion to the A, and then he was shipped to Vancouver in exchange for Sam Gagne, who had four goals, four assists, and 20 games played. Trying so, to rekindle some magic. So there. Bob Nicholson, if you're listening, like I'm a va- free agent when it comes to the hockey world, you know, if you want to <laughs> stick me in an office somewhere, I got, I can bring you these all day long. <laughs>
1: Just trade trees and other general musings and
0: advice. Some great hindsight takes for you. Oh, my God. (laughs) Uh, Another thing I want to talk about was uh, Justin Williams uh, announcing on Twitter that they were ending the storm surge. um, I think with, what was it, seven or so games left. Is that your ringtone?
1: Yeah, my ringtone's coming. That's kind of neat. It is sort of. I'm uh, solo at the office. Are we so taking ev- calls today. Everything goes through oh, me right okay. now, so I'm the most stressed guy in yeah, the history. You got to flush world.
0: those calls. Yeah. yeah so sorry Just, about that. Justin Williams uh, announced the end of the storm surge on Twitter. I think it was with seven or eight games left. Uh, my question for you is: Should they keep going? And if not, should they bring it back at some point? Say they win their first round series. You figure they got to bring it back for that at home, at home, which they're probably not going to have home ice advantage. So well, they could still win that not home. Really, they could still yeah, they could still win, still win a in game six, Correct. Right?
1: Yep. Win it in game six. They're not going to sweep. Yeah. So if they win, they'd win it in game six. And here's what I would say. You would have the best storm surge that you've done all season prepared for winning it in game six.
0: Like which one was the biggest hit?
1: Sure, or a new one. Yeah. Like I don't care, whatever it is. Yeah. The best one you've done all season with a full – not only a full building but a rocking full oh, yeah. building cuz it's playoffs. Yeah. Have that ready for game 6. If it doesn't happen and you get ousted or whatever the case may mm-hmm. be, then bring it back for game 1 of next season. The, reg- and, the regular season. Just if, one time.
0: Yeah, and if they want a playoff series, I'd like I'd love for them to do it just to stick it to Don Cherry. So just to watch him flip his lid on yeah, Hockey Night in Canada I all do. about it. I
1: like that too. Yeah. What I would like to see also though is I'd like to see, you know how some some buildings, uh, specifically Nashville, is the, probably tops the list here. Also, St. Louis. You know how they coordinate things to chant, right? Like they'll coordinate what they're chanting, when, and whatnot. There's, I must, there must be a Facebook. Yeah, group it's or, like a, yeah, it's like a soccer
0: game. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So, yeah. so
1: what I'd like to see is have the fans in Carolina continue the storm surge, quote unquote, but do it by themselves, right? While they're announcing. The three stars yeah. do the skull club. Yeah, yeah, get the thunderclap going. The skull club. I love clap, that right? for the first the, star uh,
0: because that one's the best one for me. And and soccer teams do all the time. I think TFC's was doing it a lot. Big and rugby. Yeah, it's it, it's because it's with the fans. It's yes. like it's you're doing it with the fans. It's not just you putting on a, a dog and pony show on the ice with some of this other stunts they've pulled. You know, like it or not type deal.
1: Yeah, yeah. I just I think that'd be really cool to have. You know, like I said, Nashville does the, uh, you know, let's go, let's go. It's all your fault. It's all your fault. So like they have that. St. Louis has the bells. As the bells go, they chant one, two, three, however many goals they have. So Mm -hmm. how about this be Carolina's thing? After every win, during the three stars— a skull clap leading up to a... You know how it goes slow at first yeah. and then it speeds up. So
0: speed it up right in time for the first star of the game. And yeah, it's probably cool. going to be
1: a Carolina Hurricane because they won. When was yeah. the last time we saw first star for a fucking losing team?
0: Yeah, you're not going to do that to your own So fans. what a cool
1: thing to happen, right? Then those fans would be sticking around for the three-star announcement. Everybody's hoping to get the stick from you know whoever it is uh, as the first star. I think that would be a really cool way to keep the fans engaged and pay homage to the storm surge which may have got them back into the fucking playoffs after 10 years, Lesko.
0: Yeah, I mean, that's uh, if they do find a way to get in there and <clears throat> you can't complain with results, uh, any storm surge or no storm surge, whether you like it or not, the fans are sticking around in their seats. And if the team's going to be winning, I don't think anyone's going to complain about it, at least not their fans anyways.
1: I was indifferent on it all year. And then I realized that the only reason why I started to love it
0: is because of how everyone hates it. It almost makes you love it a little more. It made more. me love it Because it's like, it more. You're, no, you're no fun. You're an old fogey. Yeah. <laughs>
1: <laughs> oh, good. You mean no fun. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> okay. All,
0: All right. right. So uh, uh, next I want to hit up uh, Paul Byron, former Ottawa Valley Titan, uh, recently was injured in a fight with Mackenzie Weeger. Um, this came about because he had, uh, he had hit him with a very dirty hit, which he admitted in the media was dirty. He was suspended three games for it. Uh, so the next time the Panthers and Canadians meet, what does Weger do? Well, he, he says, he want to answer th- answer for that? So he challenges him. right? And he didn't go up and jump him. He didn't go drop his mitts and grab him. He asked him to fight. Paul Byron obliged, obliged he yeah. fought him and he got injured. And then the next day, his agent's going on about the code and this and that. And, you know, of course, then the media pundits follow up with, oh, he shouldn't have had to fight. He didn't have to fight in that situation, did he?
1: No, and I think that's the best part about it is that there was there was an invitation to he,
0: engage. Yeah, he he fully accepted fighting in that situation now. Would I have if I'm Paul Byron's size and going up against Uyghur? No. Probably not. <laughs> I would have taken the opportunity to, to say no. But also there's that bit of pride in a hockey player too. Is like I got to answer the bell. I got to defend myself, you know, the code or however you want to call it. But, but this going to get his ass kicked. But this isn't, this isn't really the code in action either because, like I said, it's not like he was forced into fighting. It's not like he had to fight. And he was given the opportunity to decline, and he chose not to.
1: Well, I mean, do they not have anybody else on the roster that could have just – played alongside on the other wing or at center or something instead of Paul Byron?
0: Well, that's the other thing. Montreal um, doesn't tend to carry a whole lot of tough players anymore. I know that they've kind of gotten away from that in the last year or so, actually, because they used to have a bit of a more of a gritty fourth line, if you will, um, to deal with these types of situations. Now, Uyghur's a monster, um, which would be the other reason why I wouldn't chosen to fight yeah, him. so and, why
1: can't Shea Weber fight him why can't Dale well you were even
0: him? yeah or even Andrew Shaw who's he was fairly tough himself so I don't know it's 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 a weird situation but I don't want to hear people crying about the code when you know the player made the decision to drop the mitts and get in the fight I mean it's it's going to happen and I think that's just the the anti-fighting crowd the people who are who've been done with fighting for years and just they're going to any opportunity they find, any injury in a fight they find, are going to go back and resurrect the, you know, the complaints. Right? Yeah, he had
1: eighty-seven fights uh, in the season, and uh, eighty-five of them ended with two players sitting for five, and then playing mm-hmm. the re- and then playing the rest of the game.
0: And Byron's not a fighter; he never has been a fighter. But like I said, he chose to accept this fight when he could have easily said no and moved on. Yeah, I agree. Totally agree. Yeah, uh, so next thing I want to hit up is Connor McDavid's comments. Uh so this was kind of an interesting situation because he basically found out via the media that they were eliminated. Yeah, during he, the interview. He didn't know that they were mathematically eliminated, right? And you could kind of see like the the reaction on his face that he was like, oh, you know, well, the,
1: the reporter to his to his left. If you're watching it on the TV, it came from off the screen to the right, but it was to Connor's left, and she said, "Well, officially, you've been mathematically eliminated." And she used those terms, right? Um, and I, I believe he he kind of just gave a generic answer, and then a couple of questions later, the another gentleman in the scrum. Also brought up the the being eliminated. Mm-hmm. Today's the elimination day. Is it a tough day for you and your team? And then he said, "How did you find out?" And I mean, come on, it's been six minutes since mm-hmm. the game was over. He looked over to his left and said, "I just because it found actually out right now."
0: So it wasn't actually based on their loss that night. It was based on uh, two other things that happened beyond their control. Okay. It was like somebody winning, somebody else losing, and that, they lose. Right, so they. I guess this is the first time we've really seen McDavid almost lash out a little bit at the organization um, and the situation there at Edmonton. I mean, he's he's bit his tongue all season, all last season too. Um, he's been a really good sport about this. But, he's a good pro. Uh, yeah, exactly. He's yeah. a good pro. But this is an interesting situation because it's it's in the moment. It really is like they informed him of this, and this is how he reacted. So I'm gonna I'm gonna give the quote here. Bear with me, and hopefully I don't butcher this. Uh, but so when they when they told him, he said, uh, or they asked him about the, uh, the frustration level in the room. He says, it's really, it's really, really high. He answered, we want to play in the playoffs as a team. I personally want to play in the playoffs. I'm not happy about it. It's going to be a long summer. It's been an insane season. Coaching changed, GM changed, good times and bad times. It's been a roller coaster. It's been emotionally challenging. So after that, he was asked if he, uh, there was a reason for optimism next season and he rolls his eyes and he says, we don't have a GM. We have a lot of crap to figure out. I hope we can put the right man in the spot and put together a good team. We let losing streaks de- drag on. We let times uh, where we weren't able to find wins drag on and you have to, wait to stop, find a way to stop the bleeding quick. I mean... That's pretty much as real as it gets from a player, and I know some Oilers fans were a little bit mad, and you know some people, uh, especially Oilers pundits, seem to come up and say, "Oh, he shouldn't, uh, he shouldn't have handled that like that." And you know what? We chirp hockey players all the time for giving boring sound Robots. bites and, and, and interviews. Yeah, and in this situation as well, can you blame the guy?
1: No, I mean it was a perfect assessment of the season.
0: Yeah, and it's not like anything he said was inaccurate.
1: Well, the only the only real thing that he left out was Toby Reader and his 15 goals. <laughs> yeah. yeah, at least he didn't put it all on Toby Reader, right? <laughs> Could you imagine if he would have just went off and been like, you know, like uh, Bobby said, Toby was a real fucking shit show and lost us the season and Milan was a complete bust and mm-hmm. <laughs> he just, just started throwing everybody under the bus. Like, he didn't throw anybody under the bus. He basically is saying the entire organization is under the bus and we don't even have a fucking driver mm-hmm. to drive the bus off of us right yeah. now. We're and, stuck under it without anybody to lead us out of the
0: way. And if I'm in the Oilers' front office right now, I mean, this is setting off a couple of alarm bells for me. Because you might have had your suspicions that, you know, Connor's not happy. Or, or, and how could he be happy, right? Like, that would be almost common sense at this point. But how are they going to deal with this? But there, there might be a little bit of fallout here. There's going to be some damage control uh, internally, I think, with the Oilers because... If there's one guy you got to make sure is happy in that entire dressing room, it's Connor McDavid, right? So they're going to be going to him and they're going to be doing everything uh, they can to make sure that. He knows they're doing everything they can to make the team better and get them on track for next season.
1: Well, I mean, he's the most important player, obviously, in the organization. He's probably the most uh, talented player in the NHL as we speak. Um, notice I didn't say best. He's the most talented. <laughs> doesn't have to be the most. Uh, doesn't have to be the best. Right. Um, but I mean, at this point, how do you feel about the remainder of his contract? Is there anything to even be? mentioned or is it a total is it nonsensical to ask the question about whether or not he plays out his contract in Edmonton
0: you have to assume that he's going to just because it would take a whole hell of a lot for him to get out of there like it would have to take probably another disastrous season or two and like him full-on demanding like get me out of here I'm not showing up in September
1: yeah because if you're the Oilers
0: you're 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 going to do everything in your power to not trade that guy, even if he does want out and says to you quietly, hey, if there's an opportunity, have a look, send me send me pack and sort of thing. But like I would see it the only time I'd see it happening, if he actually fully went like publicly, I'm not coming back, I'm done, which I don't see him doing either because he's a good pro, as we just said. Yeah. You okay. Know? he would give them every opportunity before something that crazy would ever happen. Yeah.
1: Too. Yeah. Okay. So just for, just for fun, cause we're doing a fucking podcast. Um, what would it take? Like, like a Kucherov, Sergeyev and a first.
0: It would, t- it would take, it might take someone younger than Kucherov who's like an up and coming star. Okay. Yeah. Like okay. it might take like Matthews. a, it would take a Matthews Marner type and like two first rounders. <laughs> At minimum, I'd say like a prospect forward, prospect D, maybe two prospect forwards, like an A and a B, and two first rounders, and possibly a prospect D.
1: <laughs> Bingo! Yeah. What, what What if the deal came across the table and it was Connor McDavid for Austin Matthews, Travis Dermott, and two firsts.
0: I'd probably have to say no because at Leafs can't afford to deplete their assets like that. Yeah, it's true. Given their current situation. Anyway. It's true,
1: and we don't have to do that because he's just going to come here anyway.
0: Yeah, eventually. (laughs) All (laughs) right, right on. So we'll move on now. Um, Obviously, there was some pretty uh, crappy news here uh, for hockey in general over the weekend with it coming out. I'm excited to talk about this. That the CWHL has announced that they will be folding. Apparently, it caught um, players, coaches, managers, fans, everyone off guard. No one really saw this coming. Um, I think it was known that maybe the business model was not financially sustainable, but I also think these two leagues, uh, the NWHL, the CWHL, were also in a bit of a standoff. Um, Most interestingly to me is that there was apparently discussions, not direct talks between the leagues, but discussions with other third parties, the NHL involved, and other hockey organizations regarding merging Uh, The two leagues, which is Jackie moon. Yeah. Well, it's just the direction that we need things to go. I mean, everyone said for a while now that there has to be one league in order for the NHL to get 100% behind this financially and otherwise, which makes sense. Um, And there were supposed to be further meetings in April uh, regarding this merger. Um, so yeah, it's, it's just, it's just kind of terrible news all around. Um, there was some positive news, uh, and, and to be expected, the NWHL looks like it's going to expand to Toronto and Montreal, possibly further from there.
1: So here's why I don't think it's terrible news or bad news at all. Here's why I think it's fantastic news. I think it's fantastic news because now instead of having two leagues that are, automatically watered down by the the sheer fact that you have two leagues. Right. You'll have one league. You will have all of the talent from both leagues in one league. Mm -hmm. You will have exciting games. You will have rivalries built. You will have sustainability and you will have development Mm -hmm. for that one league. Now, here's where it is, unfortunate news. All those women who aren't good enough to make the NWHL, which, let's be honest, is what it should be called. It's the N W. It's the WNBA. Mm. Okay, it's not the American Women's H- Basketball Association. Mm-hmm. It should be the Women's Hockey League. So the mm-hmm. N W H L. It's perfect. The league can support it. But my point about it being unfortunate is sure you've got hundreds of women now who are going to have to go out and get jobs. Mm-hmm. Now, they had jobs anyways. Most of them did have jobs yes, already. but what I'm saying is they have to basically turn off the light switch that is their hockey career. They can play you know, in some league somewhere, but they can't play at the professional league. Right. And, and guess you're... what? Let's go. There's 750 men on the planet that get to play in the NHL. Mm-hmm. What happens to all the other ones that thought they were good enough to go? Mm-hmm. They can't. And they have to do something. But else. But they can also
0: get paid to play somewhere else, right? Yeah, that is now, a good point. In this, uh, in this regard as well, and kind of thought, I thought maybe where you were going with this is you have the players in the currently in the N W H L who are at the fringes of the rosters. Now we're all getting get bumped by the players getting scooped up from the from the Canadian Women's League. Well, it's six right? one
1: way and half a dozen the other. Mm-hmm. Someone's not good enough to make it. Yeah, that's absolutely. all I'm saying. And I, and I know that that's unfortunate, but we can't be handing out fucking participation medals. No, that's all up- we do now. No, you're absolutely right. It's too bad that the league is folded. I hear you on that. You know, there's going to be jerseys, all that stuff. There's definitely a lot of negative to it. But I do think at the end of the day, this is going to be an an immensely positive thing for women's hockey in general. Well, it's
0: what they can do with it, right? It's it's how... It's how they how they manage to advance themselves now that there is one league and what they can work out with the NHL Cause so immediately the immediate um, thing was that the NHL is giving them 100k because they used to give each league 50k which is fucking chump change overall, overall from the NHL yeah, and yeah. and for a uh, for a hockey league but uh, and and I guess the, the other tough part of it from the uh, the Canadian Women's Hockey League is um, despite the dire fiscal situation and the uh, you know, unsustainable business model, they did have their best year in terms of attendance, in terms of television viewing, in terms of sponsorship. So- That's only going to get better. Exactly. There's some things to build off here. Like we know that uh, there's a market for it. We know that there's growth here. And we know that, we know the product's good. We already knew that, right? Yeah. So hopefully that this place is a little more focus, a little more NHL involvement, and we can take this negative and turn it into a positive by building one strong- cohesive league that has a sustainable future and a solid business plan.
1: Well, you'll probably have them involved now at the all-star weekend you'll have, or or maybe you'll have back-to-back weekends, uh, but they might be in the same spot. So let's say the NHL all-star game is in Minnesota uh, two years from now. Well, the NWHL All Star game will probably also be held in Minnesota.
0: That'd be interesting. You know, yeah. maybe
1: at the same time at a different arena mm-hmm. or maybe at the same arena back to back
0: weeks. Yeah, it depends what kind of affiliation that the NHL can can make with them. Cause like you, you, you mentioned the WNBA example, it's a full on subsidiary of the NBA. Yes. Fully th- funded and supported. That's what I'm going for. Yeah. yeah. And if that's, if that's what I'm sure that's the end game that everyone has in mind. So hopefully it's just a matter of when.
1: Yeah. I think it would be man under the same shield, much the same as the NWA is, uh, they've got that same like logo kind mm-hmm. of thing. So maybe under the same, uh, logo shield with a slight alteration to it, who knows, But then maybe you amalgamate the two All-Star games at some point in the future, and both, like, you've got four teams, and all four teams are made up of players from the NHL and players from the nwhl cuz there's no fucking body contact anyway at the all-star game. Yeah, Get you, those broads involved. Yeah, or mix it Be up.
0: Awesome. M- mix it up or see how hard those guys play when they're playing against women cuz they won't want to lose. Well, I think some <laughs> of
1: those women would do just fine though.
0: Oh, absolutely. The, the all-stars absolutely. would
1: would do just fine. We're talking about the the lesser part of the of of the league. And and that's where I keep coming back to it. I think the the lesser part of the two leagues, the nwhl and the, and the c and the chl Wait, CWHL. Yeah, yeah. Sorry, CWHL. Too many the, acronyms. the the lesser The lesser talent is going to go away. Mm-hmm. That's all there is to it. It's going to go away, which means you're going to have a more exciting product. And I, I'm telling you right now, I've spent time watching CWHL games, and they were not good. Mm-hmm. They were not interesting. They were not exciting. It was it was bad hockey. Well, and but and now we're going to have good hockey, and I will tune in to yeah, watch. It. And a
0: lot of times, like you said, it's watered down rosters where you like you might have. A couple stars, Marie, Marie Flip, Platt, and couple a couple Olympians. other Olympians on one team, but it kind of drops off immensely after that. Where you know you might have a couple ex NCAAers or some some CIS players, yeah. but no one who's played on the national stage. No. and I mean it's such a select few that get to go there. I mean that's just. That's just kind of the nature of how it how it plays out, right? Yeah,
1: so I I, I think we're on the same page there. I mean, I, I don't. I I want to kind of go back on what I said before when I said, well, it's positive news. It's not. I mean, it's it's unfortunate uh, for for obvious reasons, but I think at the end of the day, we're, yeah. we're going to see it. It
0: sucks day. for the fans, obviously. I'd say is the number one, and and the players are the two ones I guess I have sympathy for because they have legitimate. Ticket-paying fans in these cities, um, you know, especially in the just the Calgary team, right? Didn't they just win the the, Inferno, the Clarkson Cup, yeah, and yeah. now they don't have a team anymore. No so team, that's yeah. pretty devastating. So here's hoping that they can uh, they can get find themselves in uh, amalgamating the league or or entering the league, and hockey can continue out there.
1: Maybe they'll make a maybe they'll make a movie, and it'll star Jackie Moon <laughs> from the Tropic Thunder.
0: <laughs> Jackie Moon.
1: <laughs> All right. That's
0: a classic. <laughs> yeah. All right, you want to hit up some Leafs stuff? Yeah, sure. Let's do it. Let's cool. Move, let's move right along. So I uh, attended the Leafs game uh, once again in Ottawa. The Leafs lost once again on a poor performance from Gary Sharts once again. Once again. So, but, 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 on the other side of the coin, I had a good time. It was pretty fun. Once again. They were actually (laughs) exciting, though. They actually played good. So the time you and I went, they were fucking terrible. Yeah, they were terrible. They barely showed up at all. And it looks like no one even tied their fucking skates. Last game, it was actually like edge of my seat. They were playing well. They were out chancing the centers, out shooting them immensely. And that forty seconds or whatever in the third period where they scored two goals and Brownie went bar oh, oh my God. didn't Bardown see that coming. Connor Brown did not see that one coming. That was sick. I know that man. That that building was electric. It was going wild and like better than any atmosphere I've been in in the ACC. I'll tell you that much.
1: Oh, I would agree with that.
0: Oh. You, I, and I'm sure you could hear on TV like the yeah. the goalie skull was nonstop throughout the game. You had uh, people chanting, sell your team uh, coming from the one end of the <laughs> yeah, building. Yeah. Just some bunch of oiled-up Leaf fans having a great time. So, overall, a little disappointing, but I was happy that they played well. And especially down the stretch here, we've complained about them not looking or playing like a playoff team. I think we've seen in the last couple of games, namely the Ottawa and the Islanders uh, game, where they played, they, they played the, more the way they should, and I assume Babcock wants them to play.
1: Well, the Islander game for sure for me was a full 60 mm. that was a full 60 the ottawa saturday game was probably like ai would i'd probably go with like a 40 45
0: now and how bad was the officiating in that game
1: i mean it wasn't fantastic uh i watched uh, i watched from the from the tv you and i had a little texting going back and forth yeah. you know you I, I thought maybe there was a an opportunity that you might have been a little caught up in the moment because mm. you were like no no it's going great and i was responding to you being like bro it's not great. Like it's not. It's that was not
0: that was on uh, in regards to to sparks there. Cause, well, yeah, generally, yeah, yeah. And then yeah. I watched a couple of the clips after. I'm like, never mind. I was like, they're all terrible. Yeah,
1: they me. were. They were. Oh, I see what you were saying. Yeah, you're yeah. like. Well, the second one, I was like, no,
0: the second yeah, one was that's the worst. What we were talking about. <laughs> yeah, but yeah. We'll, right. we'll get to Gary there later. Mm-hmm. Um, talk a little bit more Shirty about make him. Um, talk about redemption though for Johnny T uh, and the Leafs overall. Um, Completely shit in the beds in the other two games against the Islanders this year. So for them to walk back in that barn and have Johnny T score the winner and then put together a full 60 and play the type of game that you need to play to win in the playoffs. You see the way the Islanders play defense? Three guys were on the blue line, two guys just ahead of them, and they back in as a unit. There's no breaking through that. And they defend the Leafs very well because the Leafs are a transition team. They're a rush it in the zone attack possession yeah. attack, right? So it was tough for them to break. They had to grind out, not get frustrated, and stick to their guns, and it paid off for them. Well,
1: you kind of knew going in that that game was likely going to be an under, uh, meaning the over-under bet of usually what is set at 5.5. Mm-hmm. You knew you were going to get an under there. It was probably going to be a 2-1... Maybe empty netter. I didn't even know if we'd see two goals aside, to be yeah. honest. I, I didn't know if we'd get two goals aside. You needed you needed the goaltending to be strong on both ends, and it was. It was, yeah. It was great on both sides, and you needed some of your big-time players to step up in big-time moments, and that's, that's exactly what we had Yeah, uh, with JT scoring that goal. And I mean, what? A goal.
0: I was joking with my dad last night. I was like, "That was such an unusual Tavares goal because all his goals are tap ins from four feet out." Yeah. I was like, "He actually ripped that thing. <laughs> like he put he put so much on that. He's like, I'm fucking burying this." What even. I
1: liked was that he went short side first off, which mm-hmm. I thought was very sexy. Yeah, and sexy short side. And he caught him coming shot. off a yeah. little. Yeah, well, he was you know he was moving over, but then it was just it was the shot was too quick, and mm-hmm. I think it was really impressive for me because he didn't ever corral the puck look and shoot he just he just shot it mm-hmm. it wasn't quite a one-timer but it was like the way that all you, in one motion the way you step into a puck that's just sit very
0: Matthews like you know yeah,
1: kind of well Matthews curls it and drags it yeah Taveras just whapped it like a yeah. like a snapshot almost one timer off the drop pass from Marner and I mean I was talking about Marner last night with one of the guys at uh Tuesday Night Hockey and he was saying that uh like Marner's not as good as everyone makes him out to be and I said, well, he is. <laughs> You're wrong. I mean, You're wrong. <laughs> well, he is, man. I mean, the way that Marner gains
0: zones,
1: and I saw you. Was it on Twitter you were making a point of how he cuts Yeah, so he cuts, he yeah, so cuts, cuts into to the, the middle
0: because somebody was talking about how they really love how he cuts to the middle and makes these plays all the time, And but I also said, yeah, it's great and all, and it's a good thing he has his head up because one of these days – I'm worried he's going to get fucking destroyed.
1: Well, that's Because somebody
0: I... can read that and be like, yeah. oh, look, Marner does this every time. Every time. Well, guess what? I'm just going to line him up instead you know of backing what? away. I don't... But the D traditionally back away because yeah. they are playing it safe, right?
1: Well, he usually comes in with the speed. And then because they're backing away, he goes, oh, and he cuts in. And you make in. that cut and slow it down yeah. a little. yeah. So, But here's why I don't think we have to be too worried about him getting <laughs> his clock clean coming through the middle. He doesn't actually do it every time. He either cuts into the middle like that or he carries it right down the wall and jams on the
0: brakes. That's right, and he's got and he's got his head up. He knows. all the time. Yeah. I like, can't cut to the middle here. That's right. So that's he'll right. go deep. He'll go deep. Because when with you it. see guys get drilled in that situation, it's because their heads down. They're not handling the puck properly. It's in their skates. Whatever.
1: A line change at the bench.
0: Yeah, guy comes right? flying off the bench. Yeah.
1: Or I remember one time. I think it might have been in the playoffs when uh, Jonathan Taves took probably the hardest hit of his hockey career. Oh, yeah, yeah. Out of the penalty box. Yeah,
0: I remember that. Open ice. Open
1: ice. Mm -hmm. And, like, he had to crawl back to the bench. Very proud guy. He wasn't going to stay down. But those are the moments where you worry, you know, when there's a line change or a penalty coming to an end. But I'm telling you right now, a guy like Mitch Marner, I don't think we're going to have to worry too much about that. I went on record last night in the dressing room and I said, listen, Mitch Marner is not going to be that different from a guy like Patrick Kane. And Mitch Marner, at some point in his career, will lead the NHL in points.
0: Well, that was much, my take. Much like Mitch Marner and, and Patrick Kane, those guys don't get hit for a reason because they're so goddamn evasive. Slippery And yeah, game. I know they seem like smaller players, but the NHL is getting smaller. So overall, these guys aren't going to be small in two, three years. Yep. They're going to be average. Yep, and those you know?
1: big and those big open ice hits are going the way of the that's, typewriter that's as right. well.
0: Because the game's too fast, guys can't do them properly, and guys also can't do them because it's a very unpredictable way to hit a guy, whereas you could hit him in the head. You could blindside him like things happen, right? And yeah. we see the majority of suspensions or hits that people are up in arms about are these open ice hits.
1: Yeah, well, speaking of which, they were talking about the uh, – which which uh, hit from the Toronto Maple Leafs past or whatever is your favorite? The whole panel chose oh, the Wendell Clark hit.
0: Th- yeah, the uh, on Bruce Bell behind the net. <laughs> oh, oh, that's like God. that's one of the ones you can feel it. You felt it. And they they were talking. Uh, the conversation was born out of the Pat Quinn uh, Bobby Orr hit, oh, right? Yes. Which is just a a devastating ch- uh, check. And one thing I didn't know actually was that was uh, that was Pat Quinn's rookie year.
1: Was it? Yeah. Oh my God! Way to way to make a statement.
0: Yeah, and there was a story about him being in like a uh, Boston bar or something, like post game, and him getting recognized. I guess him thinking, like, no way anybody's going to recognize me, rookie, blah, blah, blah. Well, he took getting, out their superstar. Him getting recognized, right? But anyway, quick back to the New York Islanders game. Uh, I want to shout out to Callie Rosen. Um, scored his first NHL goal in his first game this season. Only his fifth uh, game played overall. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I forgot that he was only up for four games last season. But it seems that that development in the AHL has really done wonders for him because he looked good. He was moving the puck quickly. Um, he's, he's a very fleet of foot as it is. And uh, one of the things that has generated a lot of points for him at the AHL level is his ability to get pucks on net from the point. Now, this one, obviously a bit of a fluke and a floater, but, uh, I mean, they don't, they don't ask how or, yeah. or They ask how many, right? Yeah, that's right. <laughs> they
1: don't ask how or why. They ask how many. That's right. Um, you know, the last guy that I can recall that had that innate ability to get the puck through traffic or, or you know, take a, a step to the side and, and find a lane was Cody Franzen. And Cody Franzen almost, almost made an NHL career out of his ability. Was
0: where he racked up a lot of his goals and points. Yeah, his ability to do
1: that. He wasn't afraid to take a quick snapshot, Mm -hmm. which is an underrated ability from the blue line in this league. Um, I mean, I know some guys when I play pickup hockey, they can take a snapshot and it's harder than my fucking slap shot. Yeah. So if you've got that in your arsenal especially at the blue line, and you can use it, that's that. That's huge. And I think a guy like Rosen has that ability and, and will have that ability for, for years to come.
0: And if you look at Morgan Riley and how he generates a lot of his points, it's the same deal. Morgan Riley, I'd uh, say maybe half his goals have come like that. Is One foot, wrist, wristers on. Wrister's on the net, and just if you can find a way to get it through, especially when there's traffic, odds are the goalie's not seeing that puck. Or so it's bouncing can, off something. If you can get it through and hit the net on that quick shot – um, good things are gonna happen, right? Yeah, absolutely. Um, the other
1: thing that I really liked about Rosen's game when I saw um, when I saw it on the screen, I didn't actually get to watch the majority of that game unfortunately, but um, from what I saw with, with Rosen, I, I I got almost like a like an affirmation of my of my thought about Sheldon Keith and the Marleys and and how we're kind of building around what Babcock actually had in Detroit with Jeff Blashill. Uh he was coaching the uh their Americ their American League affiliate. It it escapes me right now. It's uh, t- Grand, Grand Rapids. Yeah, Grand yeah. Rapids. Thank you. The Grand Rapids Griffins. Griffins. So, Blashill was running basically a very similar uh style to Babcock and then when Babcock had to call on some of those uh players to be brought up, they were able to come in and play uh the system very well.
0: And that's what you want. Seamless transition yes, exactly. from your AHL to your yeah. NHL. And I know that's one of the big things that Dubis uh big changes that Dubis made when he brought in. He wanted to have that that cohesion between the NHL team and the AHL affiliate so that when these situations do arise that the transition is much smoother for the players.
1: And I think we're seeing that on multiple levels with, you know, our forwards, guys like AJ um, you know, and then of course on the back end with guys like Dermot and now Rosen and, and, you know, more to come, I think yeah. very soon, we're going to see some cap crunch. So we're going to end up seeing some of the, some of the guys from the Marleys come up and we're going to see pretty quickly how they were impacted by a guy like, like Sheldon Keefe. And I mm-hmm. think too many people are just so quick to not give that credit. I find to the coaching staff at a, at a, at a lower level, they got to wait to see what they can bring at the upper level. But you mm-hmm. know what? I know you'll agree with this, man, even all the way down when you're this high, uh, when you're in minor hockey or minor sports, the coaches that you have along the way are, 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 are instrumental yeah. to the kind of pro that you'll be and, and, and your development process. And I think having an organizational development process that includes the AHL level is going to be fantastic for a possible dynasty uh, for this team, which we all know in this day and age is, is pretty difficult actually to come by.
0: It's the only way you can do it. And you look at the Red Wings uh, during those years that they were successful. And even those years that they weren't in the kind of mid to late 2000s, uh, they always had guys coming up. They had guys coming up nonstop because that's how they kept themselves competitive in the cap era, right? And they bring in. Bringing in young guys nonstop to play bottom six roles, and even sometimes plugging into the into the top six. Yep. Uh, Grand Rapids was always domin- dominated the uh, AHL level, uh, constant uh, contenders for the Calder Cup. So. Um, this is the way I think hockey's going is, and, and the Leafs are trying to do that also, not only with the AHL but with the ECHL affiliate as well now. Right, right. Because they course. now they basically uh, bought and own now the Newf- Newfoundland Growlers. The Growlers who have some sick uniforms. I
1: know we talked about that before. Yeah, they are sick. Nice. They are sick unis. You know who? You know who would look really sick in that uni? Garrett Sparks.
0: Well, you know, there's <laughs> sorry, there's Aaron. a there's a small chance now. <laughs> I think he's paid his dues already in the ECHL. But wow, man! Um, after those last couple of games and and last night, those those goals from beside the net, bank shots off the pads those are those are ones you you gotta have, right? Those are
1: Tuesday night hockey goals that
0: I don't even let in. Yeah, that's. I, I don't understand how that how that happens because my biggest issue with Sparks before this was positional yeah. angles things like that and I guess you could argue a bit of that was angles the one where he wasn't on the post correctly and but these are things when you talk about angles and coming out of your crease these are coachable things right yeah so they must and I always believe that they see that he has the proper tools and the the right athleticism or whatever that they can work with him and get him where they need him to be um, and I figured. And the conversation I had going into Saturday night's game was, I figure he's got till Christmas to sort his shit out. Now I'm not so sure. When what do you mean it, for next season? Well, yeah, because right now we're looking at a situation where are they going to bring Hutchinson back? Are they going to bring a guy who can maybe, uh, you know, a veteran type guy like that who can HL start or be your backup if, if Sparks isn't going to do it?
1: Well, I heard on the radio, I think it was yesterday I was tuning in, and they were mentioning that. We still have an opportunity to actually bring Hutchinson up for the playoffs, right? But what um,
0: about the fact that we have three goalies? Does that well, impact that? I,
1: I'm not sure. I, they didn't really get into it, but they mm. they all they said was that the Leafs have have a roster move available mm. should they want to go with with Hutchinson. Mm-hmm. For the playoffs and i'm sitting behind the wheel and i'm like "Well, fucking where do where do we sign yeah call him up i mean now let's be honest we don't want to have to see any backup in in the postseason
0: mm-hmm. okay yeah hopefully you, you never steps foot on we have we haven't
1: had a william jennings like season on the on from our goaltender's perspective we've had one our one starter be be very good obviously injured and our backup not good at all mm-hmm. so we don't want to see any backup, but if we're going to see a backup, whether it be uh, a minor injury to Freddie, maybe a spotter takes Freddie out for the second period and then he's able to go back in or something, right? I, we can't, it can't be it can't be Sparks. Mm-hmm. It can't be. It's over as soon as he comes over the boards through the door. It's over, and and we can't have that. Um, we need we need we need confidence. And I find when Sparks is playing, this is the thing. I, this is the thing I've said most to my. To my friends and everyone, when I'm talking about it, I find that you can you can sense the lack of confidence uh, on, on the team.
0: Changes the way the team plays. it changes the way they play because everyone always
1: says to me, "Well, you can't win the game if you only score two or whatever." And it's like, listen, technically you can. And 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 secondly, the offense is a direct result of how the team feels that they have to defend. We mm-hmm. can't let the puck get anywhere near the net, or else it's going in. No one wants to take any risks. There's no chances. And it leads to shitty offense, yeah. and then he leaves in a bad goal at a really bad time, like that Carolina game, for example. That game was two one with 10 and a half minutes to go yeah. in the third period, and he let in a, a Jordan a direct, stall, undeflected,
0: clear, uh, and yeah, unscreened from, shot from yeah. about thirty. And after feet. the two ones that he never should have let in at all in the like, first place, so and yeah, and that's a game where the Leafs didn't even show up, and they still could have won that hockey yeah, game. Yeah, if
1: he doesn't let that in, and they and we and we score again, it's all, all of a sudden it's tied up. Like it's just the moments where he's got to get, he's got to have one, he doesn't, and it's not mm. like we're asking him to make a fucking ten beller right after Connor Brown went bar down in Ottawa. In Ottawa, and you exactly. were out of your seat. What happened five, five seconds he, later? He
0: Gave up a goal. What short next side? Shift, second shift. Yeah, short exactly. side. On like, a clean shot too. What is going yeah. on? You no, know? it's just it's frustrating. I think especially after those couple goals last night, like I, I, I've noticed that you know nobody's out there defending this guy anymore. Um, you can there's. There's a the valid defense to be had on the decision that was made to keep him. Yes. But th- we could say the jury's out, so to speak, now. Um, just to throw a couple numbers at you, uh, he's .902 on the season, which is ranks him 47th out of 58 goalies, um, and I'm sure that's carrying a certain number of games played. Uh, he's, was, he's been .893 since December and 1-8 and in his last nine starts, which is just not good enough. You know, thank God... That we've won enough games that we weren't dependent on the backup performance to make us a playoff spot. Yeah, but we
1: would have had home ice.
0: This is true too, because if you you know split what, those, did he, did he start all three against Ottawa? Because those six points right there, he did actually. There I, you go. I did
1: read that. I said so. If we didn't lose those games against Ottawa with yeah. Sparks, we would have had uh, we would have had home ice. But I mean, yeah, one and eight in his last nine you split those and mm-hmm. we're right there with the Bruins. We got six more points.
0: So it looks like Boston and Toronto, both kind of sputtering down the stretch here. Um, and I know they've been playing semi meaningless and currently playing fully meaningless hockey lately. Right. Um, it's like no one really wants to clinch this home ice situation. Right. Um, I think now it's out of reach after the results last night, uh, with Columbus, uh, falling to the Bruins and then subsequently Leafs losing to Carolina. Yeah. um, it, it, it was nice for a moment there because I thought, okay, we have a shot at this and it puts them in a bit of a weird situation in terms of personnel choices. But it looks like as of last night, they gave some guys, uh, the night off who weren't a hundred percent, which is overall big picture the smart thing to do. Yeah. Um, but I, I guess the question I want to throw at you is are the Leafs in a better position to beat the Bruins this season compared to last? Well, the because answer... right now everyone seems very pessimistic.
1: Yeah. I, I, I would give maybe at most. Uh, if you're asking me for a percentage, I'd probably give you at most thirty percent Leafs win. Um, and I think that's the way everybody is. I don't think anybody's filling out their brackets and picking
0: the Leafs. Now so I'm putting more than fifty. Hey, I'm putting it at 50. Hey? Putting it up fifty. So you, wanna, I said the same thing last coin, year. You want a coin? You're saying coin flip, right? I think but, we're are better. They, but are they in a better position to beat them this season compared to last is the uh, question.
1: The answer has to be yes. It with, has to be because we're a better addition. team, yes. right? Yes. Just on
0: paper. Right? Yes.
1: Our matchups are much better. Last year, the Bruins actually matched up against the Leafs better mm-hmm. and they won. And it was a bit of a coin flip and the Leafs nearly had them. Yeah. I mean, they did have them much, much the same as they had them in 2013. Two different teams. No one cares about that one anymore. I mean, the, med- no cares. the media cares and the, the narrative oh, cares. Oh, they love
0: it. That's That will be the best part about if the Leafs can pull this off and win is we can shut down that fucking narrative because I've heard just about enough. Thank I, you very much. I guess
1: so. But, I mean, in all honesty, like I say, I'm a fan. I'm a realist. Um, I'm not the kind of fan that uh, says we're going to win the Cup every year, although I am on record as saying we're going to win the Cup next year. But it's contingent on... Sheldon Keith being the head coach. That's the only way I'm saying it. <laughs> That's the only way I'm saying it. Um, not to say that they can't win with Babcock next year, but I just that was part of my call, as you right. as you remember. Um, yeah, I, I'm I'm going to stick at my thirty. I might even go under that to say twenty five percent. It just the team is not the team has not shown me over the last several games that they're getting ready, and and I don't like this narrative where I'm hearing people say. Well, they're the Leafs. They're a really good team, top five in the NHL. Uh, they're just coasting into the playoffs. I yeah. don't think that that's the way I don't like you that. do it. I don't that's like that. That's the it. thing
0: is I don't like that. Now, now, we've seen an improvement in play. It hasn't translated in as many wins as you'd like to see and a situation where they're able to compete for home ice. I'm wondering if like the gaining a home ice advantage might have shifted the perception so much. Because, like I said, Boston's been kind of shitting the the brick lately, too, in their play. But you don't hear Boston freaking out about you know, whether or not they can beat the Leafs.
1: No, but you see, so if I'm but going... But then
0: again, there's not that perception yeah. and history's on their side, right? It's
1: true. And if I'm going through it just quickly, the Leafs and the Bruins both have two victories in their last five games. Mm-hmm. The losses uh, for the Bruins, a close one, 5-4 against the Lightning. And if we remember that game, they That actually, game was a wild They work. had the Lightning They had the lead there. in that, So yep. they did score five, four goals in that game. So that's a, like, it, it's a red dot, but they scored four. Um, then they lose 4 1 to the Panthers and 6 3 to the Red Wings, who are on fucking fire, yeah. by the way. Yeah. Uh, the Leafs' losses in their last five are a high scoring game, 5 4 against the Flyers. Kind of the same, uh, As the Boston Tampa game where it looked like the Flyers had the Leafs in that game. And then they came back uh, a 4-2 loss at the hands of the Ottawa Senators, of course, and then a 4-1 loss against the Hurricanes. So both teams, like you say, they're not world beaters right now, but I I don't think it takes a a rocket scientist to determine that uh, even though both teams haven't been playing great as of late, I still think the Bruins have much more of a reason to feel confident Mm -hmm. going into the first round, which begins uh, next week.
0: Yeah, it's good to see uh, Anderson bounce back with that win against the Islanders too because we've talked about this a lot and uh, I know Laura pointed out when we had her on the show that uh, Freddie Anderson being a huge key to a Leafs victory, um, he definitely has to outplay Rask, which is fully within the realm of possibility definitely. and within his his, his abilities. Um, the other thing for me and something we were not successful at last year was shutting down that top line. You take that top line or hold that top line off the score sheet your chances of winning have gone up exponentially. Oh, ninety percent! <laughs> I mean, those—they're—they're they're a very top-heavy team. Yeah. Now they've acquired a bit more depth. I know they brought in Coil, but they got in uh, uh, Johansson. But those guys aren't world beaters. No. Okay. Like if we can—if we can find a way, and I don't care if it's a shutdown line or if it's a stack line or if it's the Taveras line or the Matthews line, it doesn't matter to me. But it—they have to do it. They have to do it, or—or or it's. Because that it seems that that line is good enough to steal the series like they did last year.
1: Yeah, it's almost like the way you say a goalie can steal a series, that line for the Bruins can steal a series. Yeah, they yeah. can
0: they can put the team on their back. I mean, if you're going to generate offense the way that they do, and and hem teams in their end, like especially if say you know the Matthews line is going up against them, and they spend each shift pinning their own end because because of the way that line cycles the puck and possesses the puck. Not only are you getting tired, getting hemmed in your own, giving up shots, giving up scoring chances, but your top line isn't touching the puck and doing
1: anything. It can't be the Matthews line to match.
0: I don't think so. It either. It's, it's going the, to be the Tavares, the, the, the Tavares most line most likely, just because be. they're they're more responsible defensively. Mitch Marner and Zach Hyman, and they have Hyman and play, yeah, play the uh, hundred, you know, two hundred foot game. And, and both Hyman. kill penalties, so they know how to play defensively.
1: Who uh, who matched up against that line last year? Was that the Kadri line? And then he got, I think then it he was suspended. I
0: think and think it was by committee. They were mixing it up because the the line tore it up so hard in the first two games that they didn't know what to do. And then now and NASS got then Nas got suspended, so they were forced to just do it by committee. And then they were doing placanets which actually worked out okay it did. yeah it did. but a huge turning Plakandits. point or a, or a negative in that series was bergeron was a last minute scratch in game five was it and One we lost games? the game And we fucking lost we that lost game, the game yeah. and that was a huge opportunity to win that hockey game. i remember
1: thinking that that was going to be the the turning point i thought series. it was like
0: we win this game we win and we're, we're off yeah yeah like know. this is perfect something
1: so. else happened to Lesko. there was two things that was happening that night was that was that the return of Naz? Was that the same game that Nas returned? I think it might
0: have been. Without that add up? Yeah, so we, suspension game two, You suspended, what, two games? Three and no, four. Three. No, he
1: was three. It was, Some, something else yeah. happened there, dude. I don't I remember, remember what it was, was but yeah. there were two things. One was that Bergeron. went in our favor, yeah. Yes, yes. One was Bergeron. The other one was good for us too. Someone, maybe someone else, I don't know what it was, but I was very excited like you were about mm-hmm. having to maybe turn the series there. And of course, here we are talking about losing another first round series to the Bruins. So uh, an opportunity for the Leafs to uh, get away from that this year. Uh, just a quick rundown here um on the playoffs while we're while we're on the topic. So of course we've got uh Boston and Toronto are a uh, solidified matchup. Do we have any other solidified matchups? Oh uh, San Jose yeah. and Vegas, which San, is going to yeah. be an incredible, incredible season series, because
0: yeah. or series. Um because I that's agree. two teams right there that you gotta pencil in as cup contenders, right? I mean, Vegas based on recent history and the fact that I would say on paper and if you watch them play on the ice, they're probably better than last year. I would say and so. And any team with Marc-Andre Fleury, you got to give them the benefit of the doubt.
1: So those are the two uh, brackets that are already filled out. You can write them down. That's Boston and Toronto and San Jose and Las Vegas. The other current matchups as they sit right now would be Tampa-Columbus, Washington-Carolina. I love that series, by the way. Uh, New York Islanders and Pittsburgh Penguins. I love that series, by the way. Uh, Calgary versus Colorado. Winnipeg versus Dallas. Congratulations, Dallas, on getting back in. First time in yeah. uh, a while for and, them. As and
0: well. yeah, it is. And and look out if you're the Winnipeg Jets because Dallas is uh, oh. has picked up their and their Winnipeg act is and up Their act and Winnipeg is is slowing down immensely. Not just in the recent weeks with the lack of wins, but even in the second half of the season, they haven't been what you would expect. Uh, uh, Winnipeg to be. I know we mentioned at the deadline we expected them to kind of put themselves back in that cup contender status with the acquisitions that they made.
1: One win for Winnipeg in their last five and it was a close one, 4-3 against the Chicago Blackhawks. Coming off a 5 1 drubbing to the Minnesota Wild, who were, who were mathematically eliminated. I didn't
0: know that they could score five goals in a game. So, <laughs>
1: yeah. So, Winnipeg uh, having a rough go right now, but hopefully they turn it back on for playoffs. And then the final one, as it sits right now, might actually be my favorite. Which is Nashville versus St. Louis. I've talked about this already. It's the battle That's gonna be a war. The battle of the of the crowds, the battle of the music. You've got the country, Smashville going up against the the jazzy blues. Yeah. It's gonna be a really fun series. I hope that, that one I hope that one stays. Yeah, there's
0: there's gonna be some great series, uh, you know, on W, as much as we bitch about the playoff format. It's not like we're gonna have a lack of good series, and I gotta say it's my favorite time of year. The weather's getting warmer. The beers are going to start flowing. Yeah. you know, Shorts
1: are coming out. Skirts are coming out. Jeez, boy. Boy, oh boy. Yeah, Yeah. and
0: playoffs are here, man. And I I absolutely love it. And I've really started to enjoy it so much more the last few years that I could actually watch my team participate. Now now that
1: we have an invested interest. Yeah. You know, I don't know about that, though. I almost feel like it was maybe a little bit better when they – not better, but you know what I mean. Like, I liked it when they weren't in also because I wasn't – like I wasn't sweating every day. I wasn't nervous. I I wasn't right. Like, I know. Like, uh,
0: yeah. So it is. It is nerve wracking. I got to I can enjoy recall, it. Like I think last year uh, around Game Seven, especially like and Game One, two I believe like all day, all day. It's all. It's all on my mind. Like I'm like kind of fidgety at work, and you're just like <laughs> amped up, and the boys are coming over, looking and at the fucking watch. Walk- exactly, how much longer? Exactly. And you you're know? getting thirsty, and like. Watching pump up videos. I'm an animal when I'm watching those games. Like I'm just, I'm so into into it. I'm so involved. Like I'm just, everything is just, you know, everything is happening. Yeah, everything is happening. That's (laughs) the perfect way to sum it up, right?
1: (laughs) All right, so um, yeah, it's gonna be a lot of fun, man. Um, So listen before we uh, before we get going here, we are we ready to wrap it up? Yeah, anything else? Yeah, we'll wrap it up. So um, one last thing uh, before we go. Um, next week we're going to do same thing Wednesday night. The playoffs begin Wednesday night. So we're going to try and get our pod done around five o'clock like normal and have it up, uh, for the first night of the playoffs. And we're going to do a big playoff preview. Uh, we'll probably stick with the same format. We'll do, uh, the rest of the league. We'll do seven series in our first segment. And then we're going to take our whole second segment and dedicate that to playoff preview Bruins and Leafs, uh, for all of our leaf listeners. Um, but also important to note, next Monday, uh, yours truly, uh, I will be heading down to Toronto to be back on the air uh, with SiriusXM NHL Network Radio. They invited me back. Let's to... Have you won
0: that pool yet?
1: No. Um. Last I checked, I was in second place, but I haven't. Ooh. I haven't looked. But I haven't looked in, in in a week and a half because they invited me a week and a half ago. Okay. So the whole deal was if I won, I get to go back. Right. Then I get a, a random email from Boomer. He's like, hey, man, we're doing our playoff draft uh, April 8th, 2 o'clock,
0: if you want to come. Beautiful. So I they was right back anyway. And I
1: was in first place at the time. But as I mentioned to you before, the guy in second had Pasternak, who had just returned. Yo,
0: and- t- you gotta text me with the time and everything for that, because so, I'll forget, even though you just said it, because I just got serious in my new truck. So oh, did you? Pu- nice. I on. seen
1: you pull up in that. Oh. I didn't. That's a nice looking oh, one. she's man. Gorgeous. I boy. like it. And she's blue. Gorgeous. And blue. Oh, yeah. Of course. You bet. So I will. I will tell you. Um, it's gonna be a lot of fun. I can't wait to go back down. I mean, I think it's a real feather in my cap. I'm being a bit of a whatever you want to call it cocky or whatever, but I'm really proud of myself
0: getting called up out of the coast. And again, up to big leagues. Yeah.
1: But I like the fact that like, okay, they had me on the first time and they kind of stuck their necks out. I, I could have been a random Joe with no good thoughts and terrible radio, but it went really well. And, and, and I think it went so well that they, I'm going back. Like they're inviting me back. So I'm really, I'm super proud of myself. I was saying to my fiance, I was like, babe, I'm so excited. <laughs> like, She's like, well, you you do a good job. She's like, that's what you do. You know? And I said, well, it's not actually what I do. Maybe it's what I, what I'm supposed to do. I don't know. But I just, I really like the fact that that connection is a bit of an, bit of an ongoing one. And, uh, I'm really looking forward to going back. So awesome. I'll have to recap that for us, uh, next week. Right uh, on next week as well. Looking
0: forward to it.
1: Yeah. It's going to be a good time. So make sure you follow us, uh, on Twitter, um, at puck pod for the uh, podcast Twitter handle at Lesco Adam for uh, for Adams across the bar and at Coleman 42 uh, for myself. So uh, I'm just on the, uh, what am I on here? I'm on the Bob Cole soundboard. I was trying to look for, uh, didn't he have one where they're like, they're going home,
0: right? Oh, yeah, they're going home. (laughs) Yeah, yeah, that's the one. That's it for sure. (laughs) They're going home. Yeah, they're, going home. they're going home holy
1: <laughs> fuck if that's not getting put into the podcast i don't know what is well, so. hopefully
0: we're saying that in a couple weeks eh?
1: yeah but for the bruins
0: yeah um it'd be funny if he said that on saturday like if montreal lost and they meant they were out of the playoffs oh what a sick burn people would be fucking outraged about that
1: i'll get some aloe vera for that burn from bob <laughs> all
0: right
1: well that does it for us i don't know if i'm gonna head down to that speaker
0: I don't know. What do you think? I don't know. I got shit to do. Two hours.
1: I can't sit still for two hours.
0: Just pace around the
1: back. <laughs> I just wanted to go so that I could put my hand up at the end and be like, uh, Josh Coleman, Pucks and Deep podcast. Um, Dave, <laughs> he'd
0: be like. With your notepad out. He'd be like, Or you're holding me? your phone out oh, for the yeah, sound bite. Yeah, just get right up in his fucking oh, face, man. eh? All
1: right. Well, listen, that's it for another episode here of the Pucks and Deep podcast. It's been a fantastic time. Josh Coleman, Adam Lesko signing off for another week. Thanks for joining us next week. It'll be episode 29, and we're glad you've been with us for this entire time. It's been a lot of fun. So thanks for listening, and we'll see you again next week.